Welcome to a post-game edition of the Boilers Extra podcast. Uh, Mike Carmen, uh, after Saturday's uh, game uh, against Vanderbilt, Purdue wins it uh, 42 uh, to 24. So they they were able to protect a lead uh, this time, as opposed to the game out in Nevada. Uh, the, you know, the point spread got up to about uh, 18 points or so uh, at one point in the game, and people, I think. We're we're feeling a little jittery about what might happen, but, you know, the defense made some plays, but in my opinion, it was the offense that really kept pushing the ball down the field. You know, I thought Jeff Brom called plays to get the ball to Rondell Moore, and I I think that's how Purdue uh, put this game away. They put it away on the offensive end more than on the defensive end which is something they should have done at Nevada. But that's hindsight, and that's over. Purdue has a one-on-one record right now. Uh, But the fact that they were more aggressive on offense, uh, in part because they didn't run the ball very well, but I'm not sure they tried a whole lot to to run the ball. They did have uh, 17 attempts, but there really was not a concerted effort to to run the ball today, whether that was something that Brom saw uh, in Vanderbilt's defense that uh, they could take advantage of through the air or or something else. But bottom line is Purdue wins at home in their home opener. Uh, they get their record evened uh, at 1-1 one and one with the TCU coming in next week. Uh, so let's uh, kind of go through this game. Uh, uh, we'll do it uh, the way I used to uh, write uh, the post-game blog is uh, do a little bit of a countdown. And uh, we'll start with uh, five, uh, the number five. And five key players in my mind are five players in, of note in my mind uh, from this game. Uh, number one, uh, Elijah Sindelar. Uh, big big day for the for the quarterback, and he, he really wasn't sharp early on. Uh, he was off um, considerably uh, in that in that first quarter uh, into the second quarter. He didn't he just didn't look right. He just off a little bit, uh, missed some throws, um, you know, escaped some danger, but rebounded enough to throw for a career high 509 yards. Five touchdowns. He counted for six. He had a quarterback sneak late, sn- uh, sneak late in the game, and uh, completed 34 of 52 passes. And you know, from a number standpoint, he had a monster game. Uh, in part because of some of the people he were throwing, he was throwing to, which we'll we'll get to in a second. But I, I thought he rebounded really well after the the slow start. Uh, I don't I don't know if it was much of a poor start as it was a a, a slow start, uh, but. You know, had some drops by by some of the receivers early, uh, but uh, he he got uh, he got things going. He got the offense going, and you know as Jeff Brom said after the game, he's a you know he's a quarterback that is better the more he throws, uh, and the the farther he throws, he gets in a in a rhythm, uh, and he stays there. And I think a little some of that has to do with the tempo that that they play uh, in the offense and. When you when he gets in a rhythm and and you've seen the weapons around him, then uh, I think this team is going to move the ball. I think the key is going to be can he get the the kind of protection he needs to move around in the pocket a little bit uh, and let some of the receivers run their routes uh, and then make make some big plays. If he gets the protection, I think Purdue's you know going to score a lot of points this year. The other player of note, of course, Rondell Moore. Uh, 13 catches, 220 yards, both 
uh, career highs for the uh, for the young man. Uh, he had a one touchdown, 34 yarder in the fourth quarter, uh, but um, he was he was special again. He just was, and uh, in a I'm not gonna say he does it quietly, but uh, you, you you look up midway through the game and you see his numbers. And you didn't think they'd be that high, but he just keeps making plays and keep making plays. Uh, you know, de- defenders. There's multiple defenders defenders around him, but he continues to to make plays. And uh, Purdue finds ways uh, to get him the ball. I think the difference uh, in uh, this game compared to the Nevada game is that Purdue really looked for him. I thought Purdue really looked for him in the fourth quarter uh, in an effort to try to put this game away. And you know they did with the help of uh, with the help of Rondell, but uh, a big big night for uh, for Rondell Moore, um, and could have had a bigger night if uh, that punt return at the end of the game uh, or toward the end of the game didn't have some flags to go with it. He probably would have broke his uh, school record from last year for the all-purpose yardage in a game. But still, big big day for him. Two hundred and seventy-nine yards, all-purpose yards. Uh, to, today 220 receiving 51 on kick returns and eight uh, on on punt returns but this a uh, special day for for Rondell whose whose season is off to a great start uh and he, he's he's putting up putting up big numbers uh right now uh another player uh, of note that uh, uh that really uh, uh that really caught my eye was uh, tight end Bryson Hopkins couple touchdown passes against uh the school that started to recruit him uh, out of his hometown in Nashville, and he seemed uh, at one point early in his career that he he would be uh, a Vanderbilt Commodore, but uh, things changed uh, with some of the coaching staff, and he he and Purdue came in and swept him up, and uh, he's happy to be uh, a Boilermaker. But you know, it had to be a big thrill for him to to catch a couple touchdowns against. Uh, uh, against his hometown team, he had a 12-yard uh, uh, reception in the first quarter uh, that tied the game at seven, and then came back with a 20-yarder in the third quarter uh, that per- put Purdue up by by 18. But uh, you know, I I really like the tight ends in this in this offense. Always have. Uh, Payne Durham got a got a touchdown today and got more involved uh, in the offense, and that just you know you you can pick however you want to s- uh, see it. Uh, does the plays to the tight end open up things for Rondell Moore and the other receivers, or do the plays to Rondell Moore and the receivers open up things for the tight end? I think they go hand in hand. And, uh, you know, I think, again, if Sindelar can get protection, uh, then uh, Purdue is going to have a chance to have some big days because uh, defenses just don't know who to cover. And they're devoting a lot of manpower to Rondell Moore already. And there's only so much manpower that can go around uh, after that. But uh, I thought Hopkins had a big day, um, and I, I would look for the tight ends to continue to be uh, heavily involved uh, uh, in this thing. Uh, another player of note, uh, number four, uh, would be Diedrich Mackey. Uh, he came up with Purdue's uh, first takeaway of the year, which is uh, – uh, the first one that uh, the defense has had since last year's bucket game, and Purdue started the game started the game with a uh, minus five turnover margin, uh, thanks to the five they had last week against Nevada. Uh, but uh, Diedrich Mackey uh, got 
got an interception. Uh, he also uh, ended up with uh, nine tackles, so he was extremely active today, and he had a pass breakup. Uh, so, I mean, the cornerbacks, uh, from, a, from a stat standpoint, had a combined, at least the starting cornerbacks, Mackey and uh, Kenneth Major, had a combined 15 tackles. Uh, Major forced a fumble as well. And if you remember those guys, those two guys made some uh, some plays against Nevada um, behind the line of scrimmage that uh, uh, that at the time were, were key plays. So you know two, through two games of the season, uh, you know I, I don't think there's uh, anything to be uh, worried about with the cornerback position. Now there's a long way to go, and you know Mackey was a was a guy that uh, you know I was not sure was going to play. I heard that. Um, you know, had some some injury issues, and uh, he's a guy that didn't go through warmups uh, before the game. He was out on the field working with a member of the strength and conditioning uh, staff. But uh, once they lined up uh, in some team situations, he started to get out there, and obviously he 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 played the whole game. So credit credit to him for uh, battling through it and uh, uh, getting out there and. Uh, uh, you know, making making a key play for for the defense uh, to give the ball back uh, to the offense. Uh, our fifth player of note is George Karloftis. You've heard of him, I think. He's from West Lafayette, and uh, he had a really nice game in the opener, and comes back and and does it again. He's got a few more numbers to show uh, this week as opposed to to last week. Now he still was credited with four tackles, but his uh, his pass breakup. Um, late in the third quarter with uh, Vanderbilt going for it on fourth down uh, was was a bit of a key play uh, to keep them out of the end zone and, and maintain uh, Purdue's 18-point uh, uh, lead. So that, you know, George, George again was active. They had a hard time blocking him. Uh, they were bringing multiple people to try to, to try to slow him down, and Purdue lined him up in some different spots to help him uh, create some more pressure. And the defensive line in general saw more bodies play early, which I think helped as you got into the third and fourth quarter. So, you know, George Karloftis' career is off to a wonderful start uh, for Purdue. And although the numbers wouldn't wouldn't tell you that all the way, I think you go look at the film and, and see what he's done uh, in these first two games. And uh, he, he's laid a good foundation to have a – uh, have a tremendous season uh, up to this point, and then uh, you know as we get get a little bit deeper into Big Ten play, I'd be curious how those teams deal with him, whether they try to double team him or um, you know create create some other uh, blocking situations to slow him down by chipping him or or uh, or some some other things. But uh, when he batted the pass down, it was a um, you know, he he was a kid that was really excited and uh, juiced, and uh, and his teammates really rallied around him. So there's still a lot of raw talent there. He still has some some things to learn, but uh, uh, he he's a guy that's going to occupy that spot at least for the next three years. Uh, onward to the next segment, which would be four key plays. Um, the the first one is more of a a sequence than a, than a segment because uh, Purdue turned the ball over. Sindelar. Uh, if you watch the game, he just kind of there was a bad snap, and he he flipped it the ball up over the middle, which I, I don't know why. Uh, he was not available for interviews after the game because he did go into the uh, the medical tent 
uh, toward the end of the game, and uh, we're not sure exactly what his status is going to be coming up, you know, next week for practice. And as you look at uh, the TCU game, but he was not uh, available for interviews. But anyway, he just kind of flipped the ball up um, into the middle of the defense, and it was uh, intercepted by uh, Tay Daly. And it's just one of those moments where you're like, well, what is he doing? Uh, and it just was similar, you know, it was kind of unlike him out of character a little bit, but you know, as you know, Jeff Brom says, he don't, he doesn't mind the turnovers. He does really, but he doesn't mind them if they're like going forward. Like if he's stepping into a throw and trying to make a play, but, uh, he, he just kind of flipped the ball up. But anyway, the sequence was that, uh, after the interception, the score is 21 to 10 at that point. So, you know, Purdue can, you know, Vanderbilt, if they can get a score off that turnover, can can make it a really interesting game at that point with plenty of time left uh, because there was uh, 8.39 left in the third quarter at that point, and there was still a long way to go. But the the sequence where the defense kind of stepped up, um, now they did give up a third and, third and 10, but that was on a pass interference call that um, – yeah, I don't know if that was really pass interference. It might have been holding on uh, uh, Simeon Smiley, but I, I don't know if that was pass interference. So Purdue was almost off the field. They almost had a three and out after that interception, but the drive continued. Uh, but then they, they stopped them during the next sequence of downs and forced them to punt. And I thought that was really a key, kind of a key point in the game where P- P- Purdue uh, you know, kept them from moving the ball, kept them from, from, from scoring. Um, and then gave the ball back to the offense, which in turn, you know, put together a, a six-play drive, and they went 85 yards, and it was capped by a 20-yard touchdown pass to Bryson Hopkins uh, that put Purdue up by 18. Uh, during that drive, uh, Sindelar had a 30-yard pass to David Bell, uh, who continues to to show more and more each each game, but uh, um, you know. You know, Purdue's defense gave the ball back. The Purdue's offense took advantage, and they went in and scored and really gave them a. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that was the dagger, but it it just gave gave Purdue a comfortable lead at that point, where it was not under under the pressure that they were under like last week uh, against uh, Nevada. Uh, the other key play uh, uh, would have been, you know, obviously George's uh, George Karloftis' uh, pass breakup was was a big one. Because it kept uh, it kept kept Vanderbilt out of the end zone at that point and would have tightened that game up uh, uh, substantially. Um, the other uh, the other key play was the, the the second in my mind the second touchdown to Bryson Hopkins that extended the lead to to 18 points that uh, again allowed, allowed Purdue to to breathe a little bit easier. And then the uh, the fourth key play uh, in my mind was the the 34 yard touchdown pass. Uh, from Sindelar to Rondell Moore, uh, where uh, Rondell used the, the official as a bit of a, sc- a screener, uh, and he was able to, to high step his way into the end zone. You know, but there was, you know, while that was a key play, there was an earlier play on that drive where um, it was third and six, and Purdue was at midfield, uh, and it's 12 point game at the time, 28 16 Purdue, with still a lot of time left, probably in the uh, 11. 11-minute mark uh, to go where uh, Sindelar hit Rondell for 20 yards 
and allowed them to get into Vanderbilt territory and allowed them uh, to get in a position to to score and extend that lead uh, once again. And after uh, after the touchdown to Rondell Moore, uh, Purdue led 35 to 16. And that, although Vanderbilt came back and scored on the very next play after the kickoff, you know that that in essence put the put the game away, and then Purdue obviously put the game away later on the one-yard sneak by uh, uh, by Sindelar to go up uh, uh, 42 to 24, which was the final score. Uh, the next segment, uh, three numbers of note: uh, 509 was uh, Sindelar's uh, career passing or uh, career high passing yards in this game. Um, just a, a you know a lot a lot of yards there for him. Uh, a lot of them came. Uh, if you remember, you know the first two series were three and outs. Uh, then he then he kind kind of got going there uh, late in the first quarter into the second quarter, and then the fourth quarter really was uh, the the big one where he put up a, a, a lot of yard. It's interesting that um, Purdue's had in back to back years they played an SEC team at home, and in each of those games the the Purdue quarterback has put up career high numbers. Last year, David Blau threw for 572, I believe, uh, against Missouri, which is a school record. Uh, and then this year, Sindelar throws for 509. Now, I know that Vanderbilt and Missouri don't have the best defenses in the SEC, or let alone the country, but I just found that a little bit uh, interesting. Uh, the other number was 13 for 220, which uh, Rondell's uh, totals for the day. Uh, 13 receptions, which uh, one more than his uh, career high of 12 last year against Ohio State, and then 220 yards, uh, which topped his uh, career mark last year, also against Ohio State of 170, uh, and just another another uh, great game for him. There'll be some weekly awards for him and Sindelar probably coming up from the Big Ten and nationally uh, next week, so you can be on the lookout for those. The other number that I, I really thought helped determine this game was the penalties on Vanderbilt. They finished with 13 penalties for 100 yards and there was one series they had four penalties and there was a series where play that uh, I believe one of their offensive linemen was called for holding and he was also called for unsportsmanlike conduct and that was 25 yards of penalties. Uh, And then there was another series where their defense couldn't get off the field uh, because they kept committing penalties. And uh, I think uh, the, us in the press box counted three or four free plays for Purdue because they jumped off sides. Uh, and some of those plays turned into interceptions for Vanderbilt, but they didn't count because they were, they were off sides. So the 13 penalties for 100 yards really hurt Vanderbilt in this game and really, really helped uh, Purdue to keep some drives alive. Um, and stay on the field a little bit longer and give their their defense a little bit of a rest. Uh, the next segment would be two questions. Number one question, will Purdue have a running game this year? You know, the answer right now would probably be no. Um, I'd be curious to see how they handle that, uh, especially against TCU, which usually has a pretty good defensive front. Um, and Purdue's probably going to have to score some points in that game. So Jeff Brown's probably going to be looking to push the ball down the field again, like he did uh, Saturday. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think right now this is how Purdue has to play offense. This is how they have to 
uh, do things to get the ball in the end zone, and it has to be a four-quarter thing. It can't be you get up by 18 or 20 points in the third quarter and you try to run the ball. I think Purdue has to keep pushing the ball down the field. That that doesn't give you a lot of time to work on your running game. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some openings there that they can exploit uh, as they get through their schedule, but right now uh, I think of the 70 plays that Purdue ran uh, in this game, 52 were passes. So they're not... They're not even trying to run at times, you know, and their best run, their longest run uh, against Vanderbilt was 10 yards by Xander Horvath. King Daru had a nine-yard run, so they're 19 yards of their of their total on, on two carries. Uh, so, you know, they, they've got some work to do in the run game. You know, the fear from Purdue's standpoint is you're going to have a situation like you had two years ago against Nebraska when you have to convert a third and one in your territory somewhere to avoid punting and giving the ball back to a team that that trails by a touchdown that either can tie the game or win the game with a touchdown. And, you know, that situation probably will come up this year and Purdue's going to have to figure out a way uh, to run the ball or at least get that first down through the air. Uh, I, I don't know if they can sustain what they're doing for the rest of the season, but right now, this is what's going to work for them, uh, I believe. And the other question would be the, the status of, of Sindelar and the status of uh, right guard Matt McCann. Uh, as we said, Sindelar went to the medical tent uh, you know, late in the game, uh, and he wasn't available for interviews. Uh, so what is his status going into um, you know, this, uh, their next practice, which will be Tuesday? Or actually, they'll get together Sunday and do a, a walkthrough you know, work out the the kinks and stuff like that. But uh, when they start resuming practice for, you know, in preparation for TCU on Tuesdays, send the LAR out there. Uh, and then will he be available uh, for the game on Saturday? It'd be hard, really hard game for Purdue to win if uh, send is not available and Jack Plummer's going to make his first start against, uh, I think, a pretty, pretty tough TCU defense. But like Sindelar, the, the the weapons will be there. It's just uh, he wouldn't have that experience. And, you know, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself uh, right now talking about that. But those are things that could get him down the line next week. And then Matt McCann, uh, he went out uh, in the first half with a, what, what looked like an ankle injury. Uh, he didn't return. Mark Stickford played a majority of the game at right guard. And then D.J. Washington came in uh, late. Uh and Stickford seemed to hold up pretty well, uh, but you, McCann is probably your mo- is your most experienced offensive lineman, and you really need him for this TCU game. And hopefully, from Purdue standpoint, it was just a precautionary thing that um, they just wanted to keep him off uh, his ankle and not risk any further injury to it. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll get an update on Monday at Jeff Brom's uh, press conference. Then the final segment is just one final thought. It was a game Purdue had to have. Uh, when you look at it, they lost their free square when they lost to Nevada, uh, which, you know, they already had a small margin for error when the season started. You know, it shrank to nothing after that Nevada loss. And now you're sitting at one and one with an opportunity to get out of the non-conference at two and one. Uh, and, you know, and I, you know, I think coming into this season that's kind of how I looked at it if they could get through the first three games 
at two and one. Uh, they then they get the off week, and then you get in the Big Ten play. You know, I think that would that would set them up well. Now, I was counting on Purdue beating Nevada for one of those wins, and I didn't going into the year. I didn't think they would beat TCU. So this becomes a bit of a crossroads game uh, in this season for Purdue coming up. Saw a lot of good things uh, from the offense against Vanderbilt. Saw a lot of better things from the defense, uh, especially the the defensive line and being able to stop the run the way they did uh, against a Vanderbilt, and in particular Keyshawn Vaughn, who you know back in 2015 ran all over Purdue for 180 yards and, uh, uh, in Saturday's game, 56 yards, 17 carries, uh, 3.3 yards per carry, uh, caught four passes for 22. Really, it, at the end, was not a was not a big factor um, in the game. Uh, so I thought the defensive line and the defense in general uh, really uh, stepped up. Saw a lot of early rotations. Uh, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the defensive line. You know, Richard, freshman Jack Sullivan uh, saw a lot of playing time uh, Saturday, but you saw Giovanni Rivera and uh, some other guys come in there to spell Lawrence Johnson and Anthony Watts. Derek Barnes had another <clears throat> big game, and uh, I, I thought he I thought he was active. Uh, the numbers may not show a big game, but I thought he was active again. He had a sack uh, in the in the first quarter, but you know I thought that you know the Purdue was able to to rotate a lot of guys in there early, and even at the linebacker core, you saw a lot more of Car- Cornell Jones early in the game uh, to go along with Ben Holt and Marcus Bailey. Um, and there were some guys in the secondary that, you know, as we mentioned, Dietrich Mackey uh, was banged up, but he did play, uh, so they didn't have to really do a lot of rotation uh, in that in that part. But I thought, you know, the defense gave up, you know, the stats are going to say, and they did, they're right, they gave they gave up almost 500 yards total offense, but they made a few more plays uh, in uh, Saturday's game compared to the Nevada game. To, to really get the ball back to the offense and let them let them do their thing, uh, and, and you know the, the numbers will say that you know Riley Neal, the the Vanderbilt quarterback, 378 yards, 24 35, um, made some big plays, but you know I, I don't know how he's gonna I don't know how he's gonna hold up against SEC play um, as, as he gets deeper into the season. Uh, he doesn't look like a guy that you know he struggled against Georgia which has one of the better defenses in the country, but he's got LSU coming up and an SEC schedule. And, you know, I, I don't know if Vanderbilt really is going to solve their quarterback issue uh, coming out of this game. But, you know, I thought Purdue's defense played a lot better. Uh, the one concerning thing out of this was the punting game, in my in my opinion. Uh, Brooks uh, Cormier uh, had a really nice opener getting Nevada. Maybe that's the altitude that helped him, but he only averaged 30 30 yards on four punts. He's got a he's got a bigger leg than that, a much stronger leg than than what he showed uh, in Saturday's game. But you know, overall, you know, Purdue got a win. They made some plays uh, down down the stretch that they needed to make, and now they you know, I think now they set themselves up self they set themselves up for a kind of a crucial game early in the year to kind of determine what direction. Uh, they're going to go. Now, it's not a conference game. It won't affect the Big Ten West standings, but a win would be a tremendous boost of confidence 
for this team, especially after losing to Nevada and then having the week off before you, you get Minnesota at ross Stadium. A loss doesn't really end a lot of things, but um, it just changes the outlook uh, just a little bit. I mean, this is... Uh, you know, this is probably Purdue's biggest game at home that they'll have uh, this year, at least right now. Because if you look at the the Big Ten schedule, you know, obviously Minnesota is a big game, uh, but it, it's not. You know, TCU carries a bit of a national brand that uh, some of these other Big Ten teams don't, and they have a you know future Hall of Fame coach in, in Gary Patterson, who's who's known for tremendous defenses and physical play. Uh, so for Purdue to get a win over that team would probably, you know, just really boost the confidence of this group and really springboard it uh, into the Big Ten. But this, this is going to be probably the biggest home game uh, right now, of, of well, obviously right now, but probably the biggest home game without knowing how the Big Ten season is going to play out, you know, of, of, of the year. It's a night game. The weather should be good. You know, some of their other home games coming up. You know, Maryland is really starting to scorch the earth. Uh, 79 points in the first week, 63 against Syracuse on Saturday. I mean, that's uh, – I, I didn't expect that out of Maryland, so I have to change the outlook on, on some of that. But a lot of Purdue's uh, – when you look at their schedule, their, their, their marquee games, a lot of their marquee opponents, they're, they're playing on the road. That's why the – that's why I say I think the TCU game has a – has a different uh, feel and look to it because, again, a win there kind of gets the attention of uh, the country a little bit uh, uh, as, you, as, you, as you step in the conference play. So, well, uh, we're going to be back next week. We'll have a preview of the, the TCU game. Uh, and uh, just remember to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and obviously, if you have any questions or comments, you can hit me up on Twitter at Carmen underscore JC. Uh, send an email to mcarmon at gannett.com but you subscribe to uh, to get the podcast and however you whatever way you can sorry i don't know all the details of that but i think you're you're out there smart enough you know you know how to do it and you know coming up next week uh uh, we'll we'll get a preview of the uh of uh, of tcu and what they might bring uh to ross eight stadium next week and of course follow all our coverage at jconline.com. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.